This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oliver's celebrated its 20th birthday this year, so to mark the occasion, we're re-releasing 20 of our favourite podcast episodes over the next month. Listen again to some old favourites or discover hidden gems you might have missed as we dive deep into the back catalogue. And don't forget there are more than 400 podcast episodes in the archive. Just head to olivemagazine.com to find out more. This episode, author of The Modern Preserver's Kitchen, Kylie Newton, tells us all about the art of pickling and preserving and why it's a skill we can all easily master. So I'm delighted to welcome preserver, cook, writer and educator Kylie Newton to the podcast. Kylie grew up in New Zealand where the notions of seasonal eating and sustainability were actually part of her childhood daily life. After moving to London, she founded Newton & Pot, a business dedicated to the art of making handmade small batch jams, pickles, chutneys and ferments, which ended up on the shelves of Selfridges and Harrods food halls, among others. Kylie's written two cookery books, The Modern Preserver and The Modern Preserver's Kitchen, which we're going to hear a little bit more about today. So welcome, Kylie. Lovely to see you. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Can we just kick off by talking a bit about why preserving is such a precious skill that we should be treasuring and trying to hold on to? Well, as I was talking to you earlier, I just feel like it's um, it's been around for thousands of years and it's kind of had its, um, it's survived the test of time, which is quite strange because it's preserving so it's about <laughs> longevity but it has it, it's um it's fed people and you know uh, unflourished times where fruit and vegetables have not been available so people have preserved to kind of um feed their family in the winter months mm. and also uh, created kind of traditions and hand-me-down kind of um recipes from thousands and thousands of years 
Um, and so, yeah, I feel like it it needs to be uh, heroed uh, mm. as uh, as a practice. And as you can see, it's coming more and more, and, and definitely in the last six to eight years, it's more prevalent in a whole lot of chefs um, and people doing more preserving. In, yeah. ca- in fact, my last book through the lockdown, The Modern Preserver, did really well. <laughs> did it? I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, what first attracted you to that the, the practice of preserving? Um, I, um, I've worked in the arts, uh, most of my life. I've, uh, have a creative, um, uh, I'm a creative being. I've always worked for artists in the past and, um, I came across preserving because I was working for a photographer called Wolfgang Tillmans. Basically oh. he is, um, a, a famous photographer, artist. I was doing all his analog printing, um, but he up and moved to uh, Germany. He moved his practice to Germany um, about 10 years ago now. And um, I kind of was left with this old-fashioned skill of analog printing, which we now live in a digital world. And um, I thought, okay, I'm going to be a baker. I'm um, I'm going to uh, take my beautiful bakes made out of rich chocolate and uh, the best lemons and make these little cakes and I'm going to sell them down at the market store. So I did and I baked all these beautiful um, ground almond uh, Bakewell tarts and I went down and at the end of the day I had cake left over when it didn't sell and it kind of broke my heart mm. from as you said, my background is I've grown up with being um, sustainable, eating seasonally. I think growing up in New Zealand in the 80s, we weren't kind of exposed to too much mass production being imported over. So we that's the way I kind of lived. And so I, you know, preserving was the antidote to this. It was for me, within food, I felt like I was giving food longevity and I quite often joke that I'm like this, a saint of um, of longevity or of food longevity <laughs> because I feel like I'm giving fruit and vegetables a longer lease of life. Yeah, um, a second life as A well. second <laughs> life. So, yeah, it um, goes hand in hand with that, the idea of using up everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, Newton and Pot, we had very, very little waste and we just, it, we used everything that came into my little kitchen. Um, yeah, so it's that which draws me to it. It's the, that it encompasses this whole idea that uh, of, giving food longevity and being sustainable and just being better for the earth. Obviously, zero waste or, you know, waste-free cooking is 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 a huge thing at the minute. You know, I hear it a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, and as you said, a lot of chefs have adapted to. What sort of things are out there that you can kind of use for, for pickling well, chutneys that you wouldn't normally, you know, we all know about pear chutney or pickled onions but what, yeah. what what sort of like what are the weird things that you can <laughs> so um the uh, i mean during lockdown i was pickling some beetroot and i had you know how beetroot sometimes have the beautiful stalks come through and you never know what to do with the stalks you can chop those up and put them in a in a quick pickle and eat them as a side really? yeah in fact um i um 
Thomasina did a repost, I think, of my um, Instagram post because she was so impressed of, yes, that's a great thing to use up your beetroot stalks with. You can always um, uh, pickle cauliflower stalks and leaves as well. You know, my mother, I went home for six months to New Zealand and I found my mother just chopping the little heads off of all the cauliflower. And there's all (laughs) the stalks that are just beautifully is delicious as well. So you can chop all those up and put them in a pickle and Mm. add them to a salad as well. Um, I do think that chutney is the best thing for when you've got fruit and vegetables that are starting to kind of, um, age a little bit in the, in the fruit bowl and you don't know what to do with them and they're not um, the most delicious thing to bite into, just chop them all up and pop them into a pot with a whole lot of spices, sugar and vinegar and just kind of render them down to make a, a chutney. It's as simple as that, um, you know, to use up all of that those odd bits and pieces. You you never know what you'll, you might create something um, fantastic. Because they don't need to... Um... They don't need to keep their um, integrity, do they? They don't. They don't. With jam and pickling, it's quite important that you have fresh um, ingredients. Uh, Pickling, I kind of um, think it's almost like creating a time capsule. So you want to keep it as fresh as you can in this time capsule of the vinegar brine. Um, Whereas jam, um, because we're not as reliant as we were in the old days of adding equal parts sugar to equal part Mm. fruit, which was a very typical way of making jam once sugar was introduced to the general public. Um, We are a lot more sugar wary and uh, conscious of our sugar intake. So we're relying more on the chemical um, reaction that happens when you heat uh, pectin, which is natural Mm. um, substance or chemical in the every fruit and a a lot of vegetables to kind of gel up. And that's what creates that kind of setting and gelling. It's a, it's a natural process, but it needs heat, acid and um, sugar. (laughs) So we, so we talking for, um, for our pickles, we want something that's just really, really fresh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was a cucumber. You want it to be like almost just off the plant or, you know, it's really firm and, Almost yeah. like not underripe, but it's 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 just just ripe. And just then with, ripe. And then with jam, we're looking at not on the term, but kind of ripe, as in. Well, yeah, um, yeah, just right as well. Um, the younger fruits tend to have more pectin oh, in really? them than the older fruits. So um, the longer a fruit has been picked off the tree um, or bush, it it um, its pectin levels kind of decrease. So it's really important if you're wanting a good set to to kind of get the fresher, younger um, fruits. So the fruit's telling you you need to make jam out of me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right full now. of pectin right now. <laughs> yeah, saying that, you know, I've made very, very good uh, berry jam out of frozen berries. If I go to, say, um, uh, there's a lot of picking farms, berries, mm. uh, the UK is great for berries and it's berry season at, at the moment. Um, you can go out to the picking farms. If you find that now you don't have the time to uh, necessarily make it into a jam 
immediately. We have got this fantastic modern invention called the freezer, yeah. which you can pop them into, which I, you know, um, refrigeration and freezing w- was designed to what basically preserving used to do back in the in the old days is to kind of give that food that longevity as well. Your book um, is not just about preserving. It's called The Modern Preserver's yeah. Kitchen because... It tells you how to do various pickles, preserves, jams, ferments, yeah. but then gives you recipes and how to use that. And you had a particular inspiration for that, didn't you? Yeah. So I was sitting with, um, I, I'd been working, I mean, since I wrote the first book, I made suggestions in the first book um, uh, of ways to eat it. It's always been my intention that I wanted to bring it into a cook's um repertoire of making food. And one of the biggest questions when I ran uh, Newton and Pot and I had a little market store down Broadway Market, uh, which is in Hackney, a lot of people would ask me all the time, so how do I eat it? How do I eat it? So that's triggered off all these thoughts of, yeah, how do people eat it? And I've been working over the last um, six years, just uh, since um, my first book was published, doing collaborations with chefs and cooks and and um, trying to expose this idea that you can put it into your everyday um, food and make it into delicious everyday meals because people get stuck with putting, say, um, jam on toast or chutney with cheese or um, pickles, you know, and a, a mezze of other, other um, things. So I just kind of wanted to... It, it, for me, it's giving people inspiration. Um, I I have about 30, in the new book, The Modern Preserver's Kitchen, I have about 30 recipes of preserving, and I give suggestions of with jams of how to um, do flavour combinations with your jams. I do things like quick pickles and um, preserving pickles because they're a different type of pickles. Um, I talk about... Um, fermentation and where fermentation comes from, as well as chutney um, and and a little bit about the history of chutney. Um, But it's then about uh, how we incorporate it into everyday meals. So, yeah, there are a lot of fun things like rippling, you know, soft-set jams through homemade ice cream or, um, you know, I like to make things from scratch. So there's things like you make your own donuts um, and fill them with jam or we there's um, a pickled beetroot in um, the kiwi burger where we put an egg in a kiwi burger. I don't know if you saw that recipe. Yeah, um, yeah. I love that. That's a very, um, very, kiwi very New thing. Zealand thing to do, isn't it? Very like, New Zealand I think thing. You, you guys were the first. I remember years ago seeing this like... <laughs> Someone saying it's a kiwi burger, and I was like, "What makes it a kiwi what burger?" They said they put beetroot on it, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, beetroot <laughs> and egg." And it, it, you know, my husband kind of curled his nose up yeah. to me when I, because he's English, going, "You know, what is this?" But you know, he loves it. You'll just love it. So there's just it's it, it's a book of ins- inspiring you, like. Uh, to use up that um, condiment ghost town, and I we're all culprit. No, can I just stop you that. there? Like the yeah. condiment, the condiment you ghost town is one of my favorite. <laughs> because I looked at my fridge last night, and I've got two shelves. Yeah, which really qualifies condiment ghost. They do get eaten though, because I'm I'm quite a big fan of like chili sauce and chili jam. The Excellent. chili sauce doesn't stain. 
Excellent. And I try to keep I try to keep stuff out of the fridge that I don't think needs to be in the fridge, like mustard. But my husband keeps yeah. sticking it back in there because he thinks all jars should be in the fridge. In the fridge, yeah. yeah. But I have two rows five yes. deep of stuff yeah. in there, and it just it, gets out of control, doesn't it? It is a common problem for everyone. And you know, I was doing a market stall one day, and I was next to this woman, and she was telling me that yeah, if it's got a use by date on it, it's out, it's out, and. I hate that because, for one thing, use uh, best before or best before and use by are very, very two Mm. different things. Best before means best quality before that date. So still edible, still good to eat. And people are throwing things out of their fridge which are past a best before date because they think use by is more for perishable goods Mm. like eggs or meat that, uh, you know, that, educated you would know it's gone off um but yeah there's a lot of food waste in the world and this is my antidote to you to the public to Mm. kind of use up that uh, those things in your condiment ghost town and and to get cooking with them stick around for more expert advice on preserving from kylie let's convince some listeners out there that pickling can be done um yeah you, you're starting with your um or preserving can be done starting with your pickling um chapter so you talk a lot about quick pickles and this is something that yeah. I'm a huge fan of because I love yeah. kind of sweet and sour which that uses quite a lot isn't it so what's yeah. what's the difference between a quick pickle so and a-, qu- a quick pickle is something that chefs when you go to a restaurant, that's basically what you're going to be eating as a quick pickle. They don't have pickles hanging around um, unless you go to, um, uh, you, you know, some people do have their beautiful pickles on display up, but it's very rare that you get a preserving pickle in, in these dishes. Quite often they are quick pickles, which means that they're made up um on the same day or the night before, and they're usually using a different ratio brine. So the ratio brine is usually one, uh, one, one, one. Sorry, no, three, two, one. Three, two, one. Which is um, three parts vinegar to two parts water to one part sugar. Mm. So what you've automatically got, um, if you have a teaspoon of vinegar, the acid in it is very harsh and it'll hit the back of your throat mm. uh, quite aggressively. I quite like that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm quite partial to that. <laughs> However, we're, and not everybody is. And so to balance out that flavor, they use this three to one um, pickle ratio, ratio for vegetables, basically. And it gives a sweeter, palatable brine immediately. So you're just kind of infusing your, um, uh, spices and or herbs and with this three to one um ratio and vegetable any kind of vegetable you like and mm. for an hour sometimes two hours i've seen people do you know um make sauerkraut and and the same day i i beg to differ that it's actually a sauerkraut because you do actually do like need the time cabbage. it's a pickled <laughs> more pickled of a cabbage pic- yeah pickled cabbage but um preserving pickles they have far less um, sugar in mm. them and far less uh, and sometimes no water at all. So they need that um, time, about three to four weeks, I recommend, before they um, become 
they mellow in their jars and the and the flavors kind of infuse and they are not as harsh um, as they would have putting it day one so into the jar. How is it? How does it mellow? Is it just that the it's just a marriage. I think the yeah, flavors all marriage together. together. You still get that, you know, yeah. uh, that harsh, um, you know, sharp vinegar flavor. But it's just more of a marriage of the flavors. Um, quick pickles you can't keep, so it's not something you're going to be able to jar up and keep as your time capsule on in your larder. You have to keep them in the refrigerator, and you have to. Um, uh, eat them within a week. Because you want that kind of nice crispness with them as well, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are little different tricks that you can use, which are in the book of um, keeping your um, uh, pickles or your vegetables a bit crisper. Sometimes it's just salting and extracting oh, the yeah, excess water good, yeah. before they go into the pickle. But sometimes it's also um, adding a bit of a tannin leaf into the uh, top of the jar, which tends to keep them a bit crisper as well. Mm. Preserving pickles and quick pickles are the easiest thing to kind of start your journey into the preserving world if, if that's where you want to go. Um, I love this though because you start with you start with the quick pickles. It's really easy, and you can, as you said, you can you can make your like pickled carrots or radishes. Yeah. In, in a couple of hours or an hour yeah. so you can experiment with that you know for some people they might want to change up that ratio if they're like a yeah. little bit sweeter or a little bit more vinegar yes. then that's when you bring your own taste into things yeah like, and I always taste my brines yeah. to and I you know when I do my classes um I you know I, I let people taste the brine so that they know you know um what they're getting into mm. um uh, the thing about why a quick pickle will not um create longevity is it will it's got just too much water you need an, a certain amount of acidic acid in um uh, to keep the ph levels um from it to stop ferment your fruit or vegetables stop fermenting yeah. and so um this is why yeah read read a little bit about it if you just don't dive straight in with yeah. the recipe do read a little bit about the I try and be as clear as po- and simple as possible yeah. I you know to keep it um, manageable for people yeah. but do read a little bit about the science because um, I have had also people say to me I followed your recipe exactly and my pickles started fermenting in the jar what it came down to was they didn't follow the recipe exactly they <laughs> used um, a, a white a, a rice wine vinegar now oh, rice wine vinegar different. has very low acidic uh, acid levels in it so it doesn't have the ph level to mm. keep it preserved so it will start to break down fundamentally what you've got inside the jar yeah. but rice wine vinegar a lot of chefs use that as well because it's immediately palatable as well yeah, it's not as, quick, as harsh it's quite it's got a sweetness to it hasn't yeah it, which i think and is... the, and but you can tell you know because it's that harshness which is the acid that yeah. you need um and that's what you need for your long your long for your pickles. long your yeah. long pickles um yeah but i pickle fruit as well which is not as common um uh, and put some of those recipes in um, into things like frangipani tart, mm. as you'll see on the front cover. So pickled pears into frangipani tart. And I've got pickled cherries that go into matcha friance. And um, I do pickled raspberries, a quick pickled raspberry that goes in the bottom of my mum's chocolate mousse. Wow. Um, 
Because for me, when it comes to dessert, I'm quite picky. I don't like things to be overly sweet. So what that does is it creates this kind of sharp, um, tart flavour balance. And it's quite surprising. Um, it's not for everyone, I don't think, but I just love that kind of balance in my in my dessert. I'm, I'm getting this kind of sharp kick at the same time as having the creamy kind of textures or chocolatey um, te- uh, flavours going on. And if people want to start on their preserving journey, I mean, do they have to buy tons of specialist equipment? No. Do you know, I started just with a big old stock pot. I do recommend if you're making jam to get a jam pan. There's a reason that the um, pan is shaped where it goes up. It's wider at the top of the rim than it is in the bottom of the rim. With jam, you want to get to these high heats. Jam is harder to perfect, I think. I think jam is the hardest of all preserves to perfect. Whereas I think everyone thinks that it's the easiest to because it's the most... um, Well, their grandma used to do it, so they think that if grandma used to do it, how hard can it be? But I really, you know, you have to know how fruit works and the pectin levels and it's this chemistry that goes on. So there is a little bit of skill to perfect it. And I'm of the out that you just, you know, make mistakes and try and try again and you and you learn, that's the way you learn. I hope that I've given a whole lot of kind of, um, you know, um, techniques on how to to get a, a, a good jam, but mm. different elements um, and cooking change things too. Like I'm saying, the, site, the shape of your pot, um, why it's got a small um, circumference on the bottom and a big one at the top is that you're getting to this hot heat in a, um, in, in a concentrated space and there's a wider circumference for the air to be released so it gets hotter quicker and you need it to get as hot as you can, as quick as you can to get those uh, that pectin and that that um, gelling up. So, yeah, that I've just ma- made it feel really complicated for you. No, but I? I think that's what I think that's what's really. <laughs> lo- I think that's what's really lovely about it is that you can you can start on your journey and you can go as far down that journey as you want to as you want. Yeah, but, but there is also a lot of provable and practical science yeah. involved as in yeah. you know like a bit like in baking if you yeah. stick to certain ratios yeah. and you follow the rules and you you know are reasonably clean you should end up with something pretty beautiful Good. at the Tasteful. end of it you know so yeah exactly <laughs> so it's it's got like you know there's you you can experiment with it once you've mastered the basics mm, but the yeah, basics exactly. aren't that difficult to master either so I think they're not perfect. that difficult and i think that people have been put off by um preserving because words like bacteria and sterilization get thrown Mm. around and so they get frightened that they're going to poison themselves you're Mm. not going to poison yourself with um with vinegar brine pickling vinegar has uh, you know if you've used um ph level of uh, above four of um of the acidic level then you're getting a, a safe environment for these things to be you know, in that time, in that time capsule, there's not a lot that can go wrong. Um, uh, is, is the is above pH four? Is that that's your normal, as you said, white yeah. wine vinegar, cider vinegar? Yeah. So they have usually a, a acidic level of um, f- yeah four to six yeah. percent. 
and usually right, you will find it on the side of the um, vinegar bottle. You'll see it on the side yeah. of the vinegar bottle. They and all the, list it. I noticed as well that you, you've got some quite unusual ingredients in your pickles as well. I noticed the booze straight away jumped out to me. The, um, the, <laughs> I'm the, always the, adding booze to things. I've never... A lash. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I've come across... I've come across whiskey in jam before, but I've never yeah. come across whiskey pickle carrots. And I think I'm sure I saw on your Instagram that you had gin pickle cucumbers. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> um, that when I had Newton and Pot, um, yeah, they were some of my, I just didn't know if people would get it, but they really love it. So mimic the flavors. Um, when I came up with the gin pickle cucumber, it was kind of like, um, know if I'm having a gin and tonic what how could I make this into a pickle how can I flip this upside down and make it into a pickle so it kind of um came out of that that I you know the cucumber was going to be the star of the show and I'm adding um mimicking the gin kind of flavors like juniper berries and good glug of gin in there as well for good measure as they say and yeah, and also, you know, whis- the whis- pick- whiskey pickled carrots comes from my mother every Christmas would make orange um, uh, carrots uh, with orange and a little bit of whiskey for the for the Christmas table. So mm. it kind of came from that idea. It was bringing in the – it's got all the orange flavours, uh, spices, um, mm. and with the whiskey, so it's got those nice warm kind of smoky tones as well. And, yeah, I was going to say smoky, but it's not yeah. – I mean, just to ally people's fears, we're not pouring in a whole bottle of whiskey. No, like no, <laughs> you actually need the vinegar to kind yeah. of preserve them. So it's just a it's couple only of like tablespoons. A little, yeah, yeah, it's only a couple of tablespoons. <laughs> just it's the impression. Your kids can eat it. Yeah, it'll be fine. I mean, those it'll be are, fine. Yeah, those are such brilliant ideas, and the, the book itself is absolutely full of them. So, thank you so much for coming to chat to us today. Um, so great. I hope we went over everything you wanted to. I, yeah. I, I'm a real talker. <laughs> um, if you, if people want to stay in touch with what you're doing, because I know that you do do regular preserving classes. Obviously, yeah. you've probably been doing it online, but that'll be moving back into real life again, hopefully. Where can they keep in touch with everything you're up to? Well, I've just changed my moniker on Instagram to The Modern Preserver, but my website is um, still Newton and Pot, mm. um, and you can find uh, my classes on there and find my books on there. So that's The Modern Preserver's Kitchen by Kylie yeah. Newton. Well, thank you once again, Kylie, for coming to chat thank to us. It's been a pleasure. Me. Thank you. Thank No, thank you so much. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. For more information on things we talked about in this episode and to check out our back catalogue of over 200 episodes, head over to olivemagazine.com. And do listen out for our weekly bonus episode where Kylie is sharing one of her favourite preserving recipes and explaining how to make it with perfect results every time. 